0: I'm gonna get this party started with do we offer gastric balloon uh, no we don't that I think there's a bit of um, confusion is that the right word probably not um, con- conception. Is that a conception it's word conception concept conceptualization <laughs> there's a bit of an idea anyway that about bariatric surgery and plastic surgery so bariatric surgery which is weight loss surgery is a field of its own right so there are people who are bariatric surgeons they're usually trained in general surgery surgery which is bowel very much bowel based surgery and uh, it's a subspecialty of general surgery called bariatric surgery weight loss surgery like um, gastric bands gastric balloons gastric bypass <clears throat> So these operations to um, limit the uh, absorption of, the, of food and help you lose weight is surgery done by a different type of surgeon. A plastic surgeon would then get involved once patients have lost weight in order to help with the body contouring, tummy tucks, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, the gastric balloon surgery is done by a different type of surgeon, uh, known as a bariatric surgeon, or I guess, a weight loss surgeon. Uh, who is not a plastic surgeon and so, um, but but is much more familiar in, in operating around the bowels and around the stomach and uh, the intestines and things, which is not something that uh, plastic surgeons are that familiar really? with because yeah. um, we don't really do We operate on soft tissues on, on skin. So we don't offer weight loss surgery, but if you have weight loss surgery, we will then Uh, very much help be involved afterwards but we don't get involved in the in the weight loss surgery side of things Vilma Santos hi how are you Vilma nice to see you here this evening Um, we've got a question and I feel a bit bad because I've got a feeling this was asked on YouTube and I do feel bad because my YouTube link isn't working so this isn't working on the YouTube but um, anyway I don't think so i hope you find this your way to here when you if you do if you do um what an answer to your question anyway question is this i've had a large upper abdominal bulge i think it's bulge it says budge but i'm going to assume it's bulge um since tummy tuck with mister and lipo so mister i have um come to to understand is muscle repair everyone who knew so muscle repair and lipo it's not went down at all in weeks so um, my question is really how long post-surgery and a couple of things it could be so an upper abdominal bulge in itself is not necessarily a worry I don't think it's a worrying sign unless it's expanding as in it as if it's growing and getting uncomfortable you might think oh we need to do something about it but an upper abdominal bulge is not in itself um, a worrying sign because we do have to dissect all the way up to your rib cage when we do a tummy tuck. So, the surgery for a tummy tuck goes all the way up to your rib cage. Although you see your scar really low down, there's a dissection under the skin all the way up to the rib cage in order to free the skin so it comes down. So, there may well be swelling in that area. There may well be discomfort. There may well be pain in that area because that's where the muscle repair comes in because we have to dissect all the way up there to loosen up, loosen up the skin and it also gives us access to that rectus abdominis muscle which we can then bring back together if it's a bit splayed apart. So there may well be swelling in that area because as I say the dissection goes up in that area. Um, now it could be a seroma, uh, it's hard to do this with a, with a you know, without seeing and examining people but just in general terms it could be just general edema or general swelling within the tissues or it could be a seroma if it's not too bad it's slightly academic it's probably going to get uh, better Um, i would wear the binder the binder can help um, with these sorts of swellings and it's probably going to sort itself out if it's really bad then it's worth seeing your doctor to see if it is a seroma, because if it is a seroma which rather than just having swelling in the tissues is actually a discrete uh, uh, collection of fluid, it might be possible to put a needle in and drain it off. Um, But even if it's a seroma and it's not too bad, you would probably leave it to settle on its own. But um, it would probably need an assessment from from your doctor to see whether it's seroma or swelling. But um, it's, yeah, as I say, it's it's not unusual to get swelling in that area because the dissection has gone up there and it is, Yeah, there's a space there, and there's a space there. (coughs) Excuse I. Uh, Anna Lee says this. Hello, I'm considering a tummy tuck after two caesarean sections ten years ago. Um, I have a normal BMI, but I've been told that as I don't have a lot of loose skin, the scar will be placed higher, and I might want to consider a mini tummy tuck. What are the pros and cons of each? Very good question. Did I tell you that, Anna? I saw someone the other day who was like that. Was it you? Anyway, yes. Um, pros and cons of each. So difficult. Is it difficult? Maybe not difficult, but, you know, it's a interesting problem. And it's, um, uh, it, it, it always sounds a bit of a paradox when people who actually haven't got a huge amount of skin excess are worse candidates for a tummy tuck then someone's got loads of skin excess, someone's got loads of weight and got loads of skin laxity. Because the problem when we do a tummy tuck, if I can try and um, explain to you that the the challenges we have as surgeons, it wasn't you, no, okay. Um, The challenge that we have is if you can imagine, I need a whiteboard. I need a whiteboard for this. So if you can imagine, I'm gonna use I'm going all out, and I'm going all out with this. Right? Okay. So we've got an abdomen. Okay. With a belly button. Okay. Abdomen with a belly button on the back of my Argos voucher card. Okay. So when you do a tummy tuck, you um, take off the skin all the way up to the belly button. So when you do a tummy tuck, um, that's the belly button there. Oh, there, there, oh, there, there's the belly button there, yeah? There's the head up there, feet down here, obviously. You've got this Instagram. So you take all the skin from the pubic area, if you've got, if you've got a cesarean section, you'd go just, so. If you've got a cesarean section, your cesarean section scars here, yeah so you go just below your cesarean section scar and um and you go all the way up to the belly button up there and you take all of that that skin all gets removed and then we stitch it up basically that's the tummy tuck now if you just cut that skin out and stitch it up you if you when you cut out an ellipse of skin and you stitch it up the scar ends up halfway between the two the top and the bottom that makes sense. So the scar will end up halfway between. So the scar will end up here. Half maybe even higher than that. So the scar will end up halfway between the top and the bottom. Um, which will be across your, your abdomen, which you don't want because you want your scar to be hidden. You want the scar of the tummy tuck to be down where you your um uh cesarean scar is you want the scar of the tummy tuck to be in the same place as your cesarean scar so you want it to be in the position of the lower thing so you you don't want so normally if you cut a bit of skin out and you stitch it up the top half moves down and the bottom half moves up and they meet halfway but when you do a tummy tuck you don't want that to happen you want the bottom half to stay where it is the bottom scar to stay where it is and you want the top incision to move down to meet it so that the scar ends up in where your um, cesarean scar is. So you want the, the, the top piece of skin to move down to here and you don't want the bottom piece of skin to move up. You don't want them to move half, you know, both. So um, what you have to do is you have to undermine, and we tend to undermine the upper abdomen here. We undermine this area here. Oh. Sorry, right, that, that, we undermine this, this area here across your rectus abdominus muscles because your rectus abdominus muscles are here, here, and here. So your rectus abdominus muscles are, are the two muscles going straight down here here, and here. And sometimes there's a bit of a gap between them, which we can repair at the time of tummy tuck. But we undermine all the way up to your rib cage. So your ribs are here. So extend that a bit. So your ribs are there, so we undermine we undermine all the way up to your rib cage, so that this oops this skin here is very mobile, whereas this skin here is not mobile, and so this skin here has to come down and meets the lower skin. So I don't know if this is helping. If this is understanding, I feel like I'm doing a tutorial. I don't know if you did it. Well, I was going to say, do you care? Yes, you do care because you ask the question. So there you go. So, that, that, so that's the, the idea with the tummy tuck. Now, the, the, when someone's got a lot of skin laxity, that's not a problem. You undermine up here and you put it down. Some people, if you've only, like, maybe had, you know, a couple of children or one child, or you haven't lost a significant amount of weight, you haven't got a huge amount of laxity in your skin. Some people, you just cannot do a tummy tuck. Some, a full tummy because a full tummy cup tuck goes above the belly button some people you just cannot do a full tummy tuck because you cannot get that skin from above the belly button and down to there it just will not close if you stitch it if you cut that skin out it will not close so some people you cannot do a full tummy tuck other people like sounds like yourself you might be able to do a full tummy tuck but it's going to be really tight and that is going to mean more likely to pull that scar up that scar might drift up if it's really tight if this skin at the top isn't really loose hasn't got loads of laxity, which is what happens when people have lots of, uh, have children or, or, or weight loss, lots of stretching to their skin, it loses elasticity, and it actually helps us to pull that skin down when it loses its elasticity. It doesn't help them post-op because they're still left with that skin covering their abdomen, so they may have some laxity in their skin because the skin itself self lost elasticity, but it helps us do the surgery because that skin is really mobile and will pull right down low into the bikini line. In people who are quite trim and haven't got a huge amount of um, spare skin and that skin hasn't been significantly damaged by weight loss or or children or stretching then that skin doesn't move quite so well and so it's a problem and it's a worry and so um, there's a couple of options in those situations one you just hoik it as hard as you can and try and close it. And there's a risk that the scar might drift up because it's so tight. Or two, usually if we frankly just cannot close it, if we just can't get that abdomen closed. Um, when we do the surgery, rather than cutting that whole piece of skin off, we sort of cut it in, um, we cut it down the middle and then pull it as hard as we can. So there's sort of two flaps of skin if you've ever seen it done basically if you cannot get the place where the belly button was all the way down to your cesarean scar you can go less than that leave a bit of skin behind and then have a vertical scar where the belly button um was so you end up with a scar either a scar that's pulled up we make a new belly button um make a new belly so this is um. Stop. Um. We make a new belly button. Where is it? God is hardest. reversed. new belly button. But oh, here we go. So you might have a scar there and a little vertical extension going up. So you could have a vertical extension going up if we can't get enough off. And you might say that's not so bad. The, the problem is a healing of that because there's corners. The here is a risk of delayed wound healing, and uh. It's also not very nice having that vertical extension going up from the scar. And this is a risk in people who are quite slim, who haven't got a huge amount of excess skin, hasn't got, a, who haven't actually lost the elasticity of their skin. Their skin hasn't been damaged to the degree that someone who maybe has had multiple children or big children or, or a weight loss. So it's a bit of a paradox, really, that people who uh, on paper better, you know, physique i suppose could get a more unsightly scar than someone who has lost a lot of weight who's got a big overhang of skin and it is a challenge now when you do a mini tummy tuck you don't have to go to the belly button you can do it take as you can just take you just take a wedge of the lower abdomen so there's no limit on that so you can do a, a smaller piece that you can make sure that you can close with a mini tummy tuck so the mini tummy tuck that issue is not there so pros and cons the pros of a mini tummy tuck is that you can get the scar lower with a mini tummy tuck because you can um, choose uh, to to how much skin you remove so you can you can definitely get that scar lower the other pro is that it's cheaper it's a smaller scar there's no scar around the belly button Um, there's less risks less space so less hematoma and seroma risks because we don't undermine all the way up to the rib cage. Um, Quite a lot of pros, but it's not a very common operation because there's there's cons as well. And the cons are that because we don't undermine up to the rib cage, um, we can't repair the rectus muscles. We can't get above the belly button. Um, Because we don't, again, because we don't cut the belly button out and go above the belly button, we can't tighten any of the skin above the belly button. So if you've got any skin laxity above the belly button, that's not tightened. If you've got any skin laxity on the sides, that will still be there. You'll still have laxity on the sides. It's just good for a central laxity. Um, um, if you have got a cesarean scar, often people have a bulge above the cesarean scar and it's good at, good at getting rid of that bulge. Um, but it is limited as to how much it can contour your abdomen. A full tummy tuck will contour the abdomen a lot better, but it's got its own risks and potential for problems. So, oh, this is interesting, that's good. Um, so yeah, here we go uh, The skin isn't that loose. The bottom is much looser. I think I will concentrate for a consultation. All right. Okay. Well, you just done it now, Anna. That's it. You've got it. Um, the skin is always much looser in the bottom than the, than the top, um, of, of the abdomen. Um, that's how it expands. Um, Charlotte, do you do many tummy tucks on their own without adding liposuction? I'm only nine stone and quite slim, but I've had four children. So I have excess skin. My surgeon told me I need a full tummy tuck, not a mini, three days. I don't liposuction, but I'm worried. I won't get the contoured look without liposuction. It will end up looking silly. I do do uh, tummy tucks without liposuction, Charlotte. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, Charlotte, you don't want to have things done with risks and complications if you don't need them so uh yeah absolutely fine if you're quite slim on the sides and you're, you, know, you're, you're, um, you you know your 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 um you know you, your physique's good it's just you got laxity in your central abdomen it's the tummy tuck that's the main benefit um and sometimes yeah i don't do liposuction don't worry don't i don't think you will end up looking well i don't know what you look like but i don't think you'll end up looking silly you know i think it's if you are pro, you know treat the problem basically the only thing I do say to people when I don't do liposuction is I try and make it clear, you know, these bits on the sides. Many people, like most people, will would could have a bit of liposuction to those bits of the sides. To be fair, but if um, so, if you don't have liposuction, I just point out you're still going to have, you know, if you've got a bit of, a bit, a bit of um, fullness on the sides, on the hips and the flanks, it's still going to be there. But if you haven't, then don't have liposuction just because you think it's necessary to contour everything. Just have what you need. Um, perfectly reasonable to do a tummy tuck without liposuction in Charlotte. Perfectly reasonable. What you're talking about now in regards to Anna's question is very interesting because I'm quite skin slim, I think, but do have loose skin but not lows. But my surgeon has told me I want a full tummy tuck, but now I'm worrying I'm um, going to be too tight. I made to get a second opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think people do often. Um, Get second opinions, Charlotte. Um, but um, I would, you know, if your surgeon, yeah, I think you, you know, if, it, if it's a plastic surgeon, you know, you chosen your surgeon, never accept a lift from strangers, Charlotte, yeah, qualifications, etc. You know, I think sometimes I do say if it will be tight and etc. But if, you, if, he, if he or she is pretty confident they can do it, then anyway, yeah, by all means get a second opinion There's no harm in that. Um, quite skinny? Not quite skinny. Very much. Well, thank you. Yes. Um, interesting days. So, um, yes. So how do we start this? We started with the abdominal bulge. Yes. The abdominal bulge could be swelling, could be seroma, needs to see the surgeon, basically. Uh, either way, I won't worry about it. If it's expanding, might need to do something about it. If it's very big and sloshing about, could always drain it. Bottom line on that one. <clears throat> what is the recovery time after having a mole removed? Um, so this is on several levels. Just trying to be um, uh, helpful and not look like I'm evasive by saying things like it depends, which I, I can imagine could be frustrating. I would say that uh, the skin, broadly speaking most places will be healed in about a week four five six seven days you know five to seven days the skin will be healed uh so that's the overlying skin so the skin's let's say it's healed in a week um but the recovery time for the whole thing is a bit is a bit more so um so i mean personally when it's on the face and and uh, what have you? I tend not to put a dressing on even, and when it's on the trunk, I will often put a dressing that's waterproof, so you can wash and shower straight away. To be honest, wear it wherever it is. Um, now, there, there there is a bit of it depends, and it and it depends on how big the mole is, because how tight it is. But obviously, the tighter it is, the more you've got to go easy on it. Because having said, the skin is healed in a week. The underlying tissues and the strength from the from the underlying layers beneath the skin doesn't come for a good couple of months so um, you can as I say wash and shower often straight off the bat but you wouldn't want to go playing rugby or um, boxing too soon Um, it's going to be a couple of months six to eight weeks for that to start getting up to strength it'll never get up to full strength the scar will always be um, weaker than normal skin but I would say six to eight weeks for that strength to be getting there and how easy you've got to take it Will depend on how much tension the wound is on and that depends on two things the size of the mole and the location of the mole so a big mole in a good location like the abdomen with of spare skin would be okay but a small mole in a bad location like the hand for instance um, would not be okay um, because it'd be quite um, tight so you know you take advice on that it depends on how tight the skin is as to how uh, quickly you can get back into stuff but usually in terms of moles, I think most people might have a day off having the, having the mole, uh, but most people will probably go to work next day, um, as long as if it is on your face, you don't mind having some stitches or use some tape to cover it up, but it's not it's not that drastic. Um, and then you can you know, wash and shower straight off the bat, and then you probably start doing exercise after a couple of weeks, but nothing too full contact or physical for six to eight weeks. In terms of the scarring and things, there will be a scar. The scar will be red and obvious to start off with, and might look worse than the mold. And then over time, it will fade, but it takes many months for it to fade. So it can take um, it can take you know six to twelve months for it to really properly fade. What would your advice be? What would your, what would be your advice? You're going abroad for plastic surgery. Don't know where to start on that one. Uh, I mean, personally, I don't advise people to go abroad for plastic surgery. I know what you're thinking, he would say that, isn't it? He would say that he wants people to come to him. No, I don't particularly want people to come to me. You can go to anyone if you want, that's fine. Lots of good surgeons about. Um, but I don't think it's good to go abroad for a couple of reasons. One, it's just difficult going abroad, um, you know, it's just an extra level of. You, complexity that I would say you don't need in what can be a quite a stressful time. Um, you know, ideally you wanna go close to home. So these things that I'm saying are actually also qualify for people who live far away. So if you live in Scotland, do you think you have with the surgery down in London or Cornwall or something like that? Excuse I. Um, so, um, you know, ideally you don't want to be going too far for your surgery um, and particularly going abroad, uh, not only because of the surgery, but also if you need revision surgery, you normally have to have it done at the same place you had the primary surgery, so you'd have to go abroad again. So, there's hassles and costs with that. Also, going abroad, uh, particularly if it involves a flight, then um, you will have a risk of DVT and PE, which is a risk with any surgery, which is clots in your legs, which can fly off into your lungs, and that happens because of immobility. And so, if when you're having surgery, you're immobile, so you're multiplying up your risks by having a you're in an aeroplane because it has an increased risk for you when you're in an aeroplane that's why you wear those flight socks and people tell you to keep your keep your legs moving keep your ankles moving all that sort of stuff thank you whatever happened on Instagram there got some hearts going through but I'm not, not familiar with the um, platform so I don't really know how but thank you look not a bad thing, is it um, so uh, you're worried about that the other thing that I would um, worry about is you know I don't know if you just have to stay with me for a while to see people saying, I have my surgery done in, you know, I don't know, Poland, Turkey, whatever, um, last week or three weeks ago. And um, one side bigger than the other. What should I do? And I say, speech to surgeon. They say, I can't speak to the surgeon. They can't not take my calls or I can't get hold of them or like that. And I'm thinking, oh, that's terrible um, because you need to work close with your surgeon after surgery. Particularly after a lot of body contouring surgery, a lot of stuff that I do, tummy tucks, breasts, stuff, because it often doesn't look right to start with. So you need to have a good connection with your surgeon um, because it, it, you know, often doesn't look right, quite frankly. And it can be quite distressing if you're not really um, got help, you know, if, you, if they're not really supporting you through that. So, I think you've got to think about all these things. And I think the problem is if it all goes what well, not the problem is, but the fact is, if it all goes well, then, then happy days. And the vast majority of surgery does go well, fortunately. But if it doesn't, it can be a bit of a false economy, in, in my experience. And you can be left regretting it. Um, um, so, you know, I understand it's significantly cheaper. I would probably say, if you, well, I'm not sure whether it's worth doing if you can't if you can't afford to have it done in this country because the other thing you've got to realize is why you know some places are ridiculously cheap and i don't know why they're ridiculously cheap i'd have to you know look at their books or whatever why they uh i don't know how they can do it that cheap because in this country we've got um insurance medical indemnity which cost us you know thousands of pounds a month you know um, so in, you know we're covered for millions because, um, you know, if you've got any problems, you're covered then. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, my advice is, is, is not great on it. Write, write about it in my book. But I would say don't do it. And I do practice what I preach because sometimes people from abroad want to come here. And I say the thing, same thing. Works both ways. You know, if you live in, uh, abroad and you want to come here, look, you know look for someone local to help you. Uh, is my advice on that. Um, will you do BBA? That's bilateral breast augmentation. For a patient that smokes 10 to 15 cigarettes a day. Um, this is a tricky one. And the reason is tricky because if it was a tummy tuck, if it was a any sort of body contouring, tummy tuck, breast lift, face lift, arm lift, thigh lift. It's an easy answer. No way, ho, zay. It ain't happening. So um, it's a definite no smoking and those operations, not because I've got it in for the patients or got it in for smokers, because of the wound healing. Every time you have a cigarette, you reduce the blood supply to the skin and you increase your risk of wound healing. And if you're doing surgery where you're closing things tight, if you can imagine it, a tummy tuck, you ever seen how tight that's closed? Um, if that doesn't heal up properly, it can really dehiss and come apart and go really bad. So it's a definite no on that. But BBA breast augmentation is just a straight line scar so it's actually not that bad the healing of a breast augmentation is just a straight line scar but the problem with the breast augmentation is the consequences can be significant if the wound doesn't heal up because if the wound doesn't heal up you get an infection and if the infection gets to the implant you have to remove the implant so that's going to be a much higher risk in someone who smokes 10 to 15 cigarettes a day so my gut feeling is to say no I think it's probably best not to do the breast augmentation and what I would hope to do in that uh, circumstance is I would hope to talk to the patient and get them on side so we realize we're doing the decision together. It's not me saying you can't have surgery. It's me saying, look, if you can't stop smoking, if you really can't stop smoking, perhaps you're better off not having the surgery. Um, I think with 10 to 15 a day, I think i would probably go down those lines. I think once to a day, I might be saying, look, you need to stop for the two weeks after surgery. Day have surgery two weeks after get that healed so i think that's you know that'd be reasonable But 10 to 15 cigarettes a day it's a big deal so i'd say look if you cannot give up i completely understand that and that's fine because it's your uh, body and you're right but i really would not have surgery my advice to you would be not to have surgery um so yeah I don't know if you saw it earlier, but what do you think of that? That is air, my friends. That is getting, that is what they call in the mountain bike world, getting air. That is this guy here, this 50 year old guy getting air. Huh? Showing the kids on the street how it's done. Yeah? I get respect out there on that bike park. Look at me. Look at me. That is one hell of a photo. Massive shout out to Skills Loop, who were the um, people who trained us. Matt at Skills Loop, who was giving us the training that day. Brilliant day. Last Saturday it was. Absolutely brilliant. Um, loved it. Anyway, on that note, uh, I can see you're all in awe. Hold on a minute. Jane's got a question. Do you mind if you Jane? I've ignored the Lee bit. All right then, Lee, Jane. I, I know what you're thinking. You want me to get rid of the photo? Okay. What you got? What you got, Lee? Stop sharing. Lee's got, um, do you want to take fat transfer into breast reduction lift? How long does that fat stay in breast? No. Um, I'm going to sort of say to you, Lee, why would you do it? Um, I'm thinking, the, I mean, I'll answer the question for you, although you feel free to answer the question if you, if you but I'm thinking it's just try and maintain fullness in the upper pole. Uh, because if you want to fat, if you're especially for breast reduction, for breast reduction, you want to be smaller. So why you'd add volume with fat transfer, I don't know. For a lift, you might want to add volume. If you want to be bigger, that might be a reason to fat transfer but um, I don't really know why you do it for breast reduction, unless you're gonna do it for shape. So if you're doing it for shape, try and get a form staying in the upper pole. In my experience, it's really hard, High Victoria. It's very hard to get the um, volume to stay in the upper pole. Um, so I don't want implants. Okay, so you don't want implants, but if you're having a breast reduction, Lee, you don't want, why would you have fat? Um, I, I would say that it doesn't significantly, um, it, it doesn't really stay there in the upper pole and it doesn't give sustained upper pole fullness in my hands, Lee. If you can find someone who does, uh, uh, I've lost lots of weight, they are saggy, uh, and I don't want implants. So for my, for me then it's a lift, Lee. It's a lift and what I would say to you is you have to, well you don't have to, but if you're going to have surgery, you, you would need to accept the shape that you can get with the lift, which has got that concavity or reduction concavity in the upper pole. You cannot get that fullness that's associated with implants with fat transfer in my hands. Um, I don't think it will give you that, that, that shape. It doesn't stay up there. It's acted on by gravity, just like the fat of your own breast. When we do a lift, We put all the volume up here, the fat of your own breast. So if you put fat graft, it would be in the same place. It all goes up here. And you might say, happy days. I see exactly what I wanted. Fantastic. You're brilliant. Three, six months later, it settles. It settles. It always settles. Gravity works on us all. So um, I don't think it's worth doing fat grafting for that reason. If you wanted a lift and you want it to be bigger, which I suspect you don't because you're asking about breast reduction. but let's just say you're, a, you know, you're an A couple or a B or something like that, and you want it to be bigger, then you can use fat transfer to enhance the volume of the breast, to make the breast a bit bigger. But again, it's quite subtle. It is quite subtle. It doesn't make them massively bigger, but that, that would be an indication for it, Lee. But um, in terms of shape, it's a no in my hands, but everyone's different. And uh, you might find someone who's got good experience getting the shape there which would be great to see because it is a problem with doing lifts and uh, reductions. People do want a fuller look. And I think that, um, especially when you're having a lift, because you think, oh, my lift will be up there. And then they always settle, which can be disappointing. I'm going to sign out and I will uh, wish you good night. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag Ask JJ. We'd love to hear from you.